This is week 36. Is that correct? All right. So it's chapter 9, text 21 to 34. Mm-hmm. And just re- reviewing briefly from this past week, is that Krishna was talking about how when he descends to earth, the fools deride him. And why is that so? Prabhupada explains that they consider him a human being. They consider him a normal person. And they can't understand that he is the source of all that be. And then Prabhupada goes on further to describe a deeper reason be- behind why they, uh, they commit this offense to Krishna. And the reason is, is because it's based on envy. That although it may superficially seem like a confusion in their minds for some other reason, but Prabhupada says, let's see here, pull it up. So he says, people jeer at Krishna because they're envious of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Their destiny is certainly to take birth after birth in the species of atheistic and demoniac life. Perpetually, their real knowledge will remain under delusion, and gradually they'll regress to the darkest region of creation. So we've spoken previously about the four types of people that approach Krishna and the four that never approach Krishna. So we're going to kind of continue that conversation today. Um, as well, speaking about what happens when someone has a weakness of heart and how Krishna considers that. So we can see from Bhagavad Gita how Krishna views and considers all different classes of people. And ultimately it arises from this inner state of consciousness and the most lowest form of consciousness is the one of envy. Because envy is the root of material life. Is based on wanting to replace God uh, with numero uno, oneself. So that's the root of this world. So all, all everything else that arises from that, just like if you want to, uh, if you want to heal a, a disease, you find out what is causing that disease. Well, that envy is what causes that disease. And then on the other end of the spectrum is putting Krishna as the all in all, putting Krishna in the center. And then that envy is transformed, actually, into pure love of God. Um, So then Krishna went on to describe that the great souls, they take shelter under Krishna's internal potency. And then the qualities of the Mahatma are described. Krishna says they're always chanting my glories, always endeavoring with great determination, always bowing down before me. They perpetually worship me with devotion. So there's a few ways that Prabhupada describes the Mahatma. He says, one who surrenders unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, at once becomes free from the control of material nature. That is the qualification. One can become free from the control of material nature as, as soon as he surrenders his soul to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So a Mahatma is under the guidance of the spiritual nature called Daivi Prakriti, the divine nature. And he does not divert his attention to anything outside in Krishna. So a Mahatma is always engaged in chanting the glories of the Supreme Lord Krishna, the personality of Godhead. He has no other business. He is always engaged in the glorification of the Lord. In other words, he is not an impersonalist. So he's glorifying the personal qualities, form, activities of Krishna um, directly. A Mahatma is attached to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Mahatma is always engaged in different activities of devotional service, as described in the Srimad Bhagavatam, hearing and chanting about Vishnu, not a demigod or human being. So Mahatma has firm determination to achieve at the ultimate end the association of the Supreme Lord in any one of the five transcendental rasas. To achieve that success, he engages all activities, mental, bodily, and vocal, everything in the service of the Supreme Lord, Sri Krishna. That is called Krishna consciousness. And then finally, the Mahatmas, great souls, strictly observe all these rules and regulations, and therefore they are sure to achieve the desired result. So Prabhupada was talking about, there's auspicious activities that we do and that we observe to help us grow. And just like we were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago about 
the expert investor. Just like someone who knows how to invest, uh, a devotee, they see any opportunity um, to please the Lord and they, they, they leap on it. They grab it immediately. <laughs> so there's different auspicious moments, days. Like for instance, we celebrate a Krishna's appearance day, Krishna's birthday. Well, obviously on, on Krishna's appearance day, um, it's going to be even more pleasing to Krishna what we do. Because we're, it's all about Krishna. And, and, and devotees all over the world are celebrating this day. And then there's special days like Akadashis. Um, Akadashis um, each have a particular meaning. There's two a month, one on the, uh, the full moon and one on the new moon. And each one um, allows for our devotion to be magnified. And Krishna personally says this is his favorite day. Akadashi is my favorite day. So if we realize Krishna is more jubilant because Krishna is a person and his emotional state is that he, he becomes more joyful and readily pleased with the devotion. So the devotees always take advantage of that. Um, so today we are going to complete chapter 9, text 21 to 34. And who would like to... Move in a lot of? Give me a second to think. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe someone else first. And then I can go after this. Judge it? Yeah. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Uh, I've been reading. Uh, this ninth chapter trying to understand the essence of it because what it really means to me and then when I was like um, I wasn't serious reader this time every time I usually but because of uh, material disturbances uh, I didn't get to but uh, while I was uh, contemplating while I'm coming here uh, that's when I realized um, if one offers, from 9.26, it says, If one offers me with love and devotion, a leaf, a flower, a fruit, or water, I'll accept it. So as being like, um, not a religious family, but being from India, like I used to do like lamp lighting on and off when I, while I came here. Um, but then I didn't have like inner feelings as to why I'm doing mm -hmm. this kind of austerity. Uh, but then... After I came into Krishna consciousness, then I realized I have to do it for Krishna with love. So some days I don't offer like a fruit uh, or a flower, but at least water and the lamp is like I try to do my best. Uh, so I'm like, uh, and I just focus on why I'm doing it now. And I just try to do it as much uh, and without fail every day. So. Please, Krishna, give me mercy to get there. Thank you, Krishna. Thank you so much. So you realize that even if it's a small offering, that if you do it in the right mood, Krishna's please. Nice. Shana? Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, I almost, I almost picked that one as well, because this one, of course, is very famous. Yeah. Famous verse. Um, but uh, I chose something out of uh, uh, part of the report out of 927 and um, so I picked in the nowadays people are very much inclined to the meditational process which is not practical in this age but if anyone practices uh, meditating on Krishna 24 hours a day by chanting the Hare Krishna mantra around his beads he is surely the greatest meditator and the greatest yogi as substantiated by the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And my understanding of that is in this age of Kali, people tend to be interested in impersonal forms of meditation, like focusing on the breath or the point between the eyebrows. For this age, this is not a practical approach. One must meditate on Krishna all the time by chanting the Maha Mantra. Um, this is the method for this age and will make him the greatest meditator and yogi. And my application of that is the foundation and heart of Krishna consciousness is the Maha Mantra, given to us by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Krishna himself. The chanting the Maha Mantra is the highest form of meditation. 
an incarnation of Lord Krishna himself as a mantra. Every day I chant the Maha Mantra, and with each day I attempt to do better with my chanting, trying to make my chanting more pure. My hope is to continue to improve my chanting in order for me to keep my mind always on the Lord and to serve Him, Guru, and the devotees. Okay. There's something special when you share from your own experience and realization and heart. So I, I really am appreciating that. And I know you're, you're very humble so oftentimes. You just read Prabhupada's purport. Yeah. But there's something special in you know, when, when you, like Prabhupada would, would say when we're preaching, just, just try to say it in, in your own words. And um, because it's coming directly from your own heart, your own realization. Yet it's founded in, you know, Guru Parampara. So I, that was really wonderful. Thank you. I picked a similar passage that we did for the application. Um, talking about how meditation is described as mundane is practiced by like mostly um, Western yogis, but yogis in general, can they even be considered yogis if they're not focused on um, communing with God? Yeah. And, and is that from, that from chapter 9? Um, that's from the same section that he, the same passage. Oh, the same passage? Uh, oh, the, the 27? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, so I said um, uh, Krishna is gracious enough in his dialogue that he's specific enough to tell us what satisfies him directly. And, and because he's so specific, he can be satisfied in the same way that we're satisfied by satisfying him. Thank you. That was very nice. So you had a realization that we're satisfied when Krishna is satisfied. Mm -hmm. Nice. So what, did you have an application? Did you? That was a, um, what I wrote here was a yogi that does not seek God is no yogi, while a constant chanter with undivided attention is the best yogi. Nice. Wonderful. Yeah, by Shishikha Prabhu, we were watching the class. He's a really great devotee. He's a disciple of Srila Prabhupada. And he's just like, just a sold-out preacher, just trying to help people come to Krishna consciousness. And he's actually famous all over this guy. And he's the head of the uh, root distribution for North America. But he was teaching people how to chant. He was saying, okay, if you can, if you can chant 10 mantras without your mind wandering, then you're very advanced. If you can chant 5 out of 10, without your mind wandering, and you're halfway advanced. <laughs> you know, saying like that. And if you can chant one out of ten, without uh, in DVD, and then you're advanced. <laughs> and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're getting started. But yeah. So yeah, I mean, that uh, focus, and love involves focus, actually, because we can see that nowadays with cell phones, you know. Like, you know, people want to have a one, people want to have a one-on-one -on -one experience. People want to have others' uh, undivided attention. And when it's not there, there's kind of a, almost a sinking feeling. Like, hey, are you here with me or not? <laughs> Type of thing. So Krishna's like that too. And actually, if you think about it, that's really all we have to give is our attention as we're giving um, the ability to choose what we want to focus on. So that, that's a really nice realization. So, thank you. Okay. You ready? Let's go. Okay, so I chose text 22. And it goes, But those who always worship me with exclusive devotion, meditating on my transcendental form, to them, I carry what they lack, and I preserve what they have. This is one of my favorites. Um, and honestly, I couldn't, I feel like Krishnanam right now. Like, I couldn't put it better than what is here. <laughs> so I'm just going to read it. Um, it's not a fault. <laughs> yeah. One who is unable to live, no, wait. Uh, one who is unable to live yeah yeah one who is unable to live for a moment without krishna consciousness cannot but think of krishna 24 hours a day being engaged in devotional service 
by hearing, chanting, remembering, offering prayers, worshiping, serving the lotus feet of the Lord, rendering other services, cultivating friendship, and, sur and surrendering fully to the Lord. Such activities are all auspicious and full of spiritual potency potencies which make the devotees the devotee perfect in self-realization so that he is only desire so that's so that his only desire is to achieve the association of the supreme personality of godhead such a devotee undoubtedly approaches the lord without difficulty that is called yoga um and I mean, my application would be to keep striving to get there because I'm pretty far from, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's really hard to be that consumed, but it, it, it's definitely something that I yearn for, but I recognize that it is so hard because there's so many distractions all the time. Like go to work and just day to day thing, and even like for a few seconds, like your mind just can go like somewhere else. So it's so hard to like focus and be in that mood all the time. So I'm definitely gonna work more on my chanting and more hearing, and that definitely helps. And having and even having like little pictures of Krishna and things that remind you of him all the time, that it's very helpful for me too. So that's my application. Very wonderful, thank you. Um, and actually, more probably more than half the battle is setting that goal. If you have that goal established very firmly, um, that Krishna calls Drita Brataha, very determined goal. From there, um, the the spiritual energy. Because we're taking, like like the Mahamas, we're taking shelter under that Daivi Prakriti, that spiritual energy. From there, we'll, we will be helped to the destination. But what we have to do is we have to keep our eye on whether or not that is our goal. Because if the, if the goal is there, then we're good. If the enthusiasm for the goal is there, then we're golden. But if, um, if we examine our heart and our consciousness and we think, you know, maybe that goal isn't so solidified anymore. It's like they describe when, when we leave our body, uh, even as a devotee, we uh, will be shown, on the way to Vaikuntha, we'll be shown these heavenly uh, gardens of enjoyment. And if we have desire to go there and enjoy, then we can get off. You see? So what would you do? Well, that's you know actually that's a that's a sign of chastity actually chastity to Krishna because when you when you when you purposefully turn away your face from Maya, that's a sign of dedication to Krishna. So we can choose to do that. It's like why why put ourselves in a position where we can falter. You know, so we could we could say you know, driver, Mister. Mister Vishnu Dira, please just bypass the Nanda Nanda Gardens. <laughs> I heard an incident. I was reading about uh, the similar thing where uh, there was one cartoonist who is a devotee. He went to these planets while going to the final weather, Rishi's weather. Um, the rishis stopped them and they said, uh, because you were drawing the cartoons uh, and your duty is not yet uh, complete, so you go back. So it was like a near-death experience for him and then came back. So he was sharing a devotee. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a first-hand. Mm -hmm. wow. So there we have. Some could take that as proof. I do, because I trust the source. But... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> of course, the scientists wouldn't accept that as proof. And that's okay. <laughs> it's like I always tell them, I said, it's not, it's not if you have to trust, it's whom you trust. Because we have to trust. Um, because 
with our experience, our mind, our senses, our intelligence, we can hardly understand even a small portion of the material energy. So we have to trust. So I choose to trust your friend. Yes. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was reading in one of these uh, Krishna's websites where uh, one of the Guru Maharaj's uh, email had a link, so I went to that website. Yeah. It's a true story. Yeah, yeah. nice. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's a line in the 26th purport. It says. Krishna wants only loving service and nothing more. <clears throat> and then a couple lines before that, in the, above it, it says, Who is such a fool that he does not want to be Krishna conscious by this simple method and thus attain the highest perfectional life of eternity, bliss, and knowledge? Who is such a fool? Wow. I mean, it's incredible because... All Krishna wants from us is loving service and nothing more. And yet, everyone in this material world is trying to figure out what God wants from us. And there are these massive debates and these intellectual conversations and things going on everywhere to try and figure out what is, what is it that God wants from us. And it's, and it's so simple. And it's right here. All he wants is just our love. That's it. I mean, that's just sublime. That's just, it's incredible to think about. Uh, that it's that simple. And that's, I was thinking about how that's like, that's the goal of religion. That's like the goal of every, that's the goal of life. So you got all these people that are trying to be so religious. And this is so important that I take up my religion, but they don't realize it. The goal of religion is to love God, and that's all he wants. So we can bypass all this nonsense, like Krishna says, you know, um, just abandon all forms of religion and surrender to me, because <laughs> I am the goal of religion. You can skip the line, and you can come to me directly. That's absolutely beautiful, you know? So anyways, it's just, it's so simple, but, it, but yet so profound. And um, yeah, so my application is to just desire to continue to want to love Krishna. That's it. And there was another one that really struck. I didn't know which one to choose, so I have another one. And it's I'll touch on it where Krishna is kind of talking about the person who um, who falls down. Even if one commits the abominable action, if he is engaged in the devotional service, he is to be considered saintly. There's a line in here that's absolutely beautiful. Um, no, no one should deride a devotee for some accidental fall down from the ideal path. For as explained in the next verse, such occasional fall downs will be stopped in due course. Uh, as soon as the devotee is completely situated in Krishna consciousness. You know... <sighs> One of the things that I absolutely hate seeing is when one devotee is criticizing another devotee for whatever reason where they feel they're justified to criticize someone else. And, you know, what I see here, what Prabhupada is saying here in the purport, and there's another line that is so powerful. Um, right here. If one, if one does not follow this rule and derides a devotee for his accidental fall down when one is disobeying the order of the Supreme Lord. That's pretty serious. This is coming directly from Krishna. So I always think of myself like, you know, we, we should be so full of compassion that our default should not be to want to criticize someone. It should be to want to help raise someone. Um, because Krishna is clearly, like Krishna has... I'm, I'm so grateful that Krishna is a God that has so much common sense and so much love, you know, like if that makes any sense. Like he's, I was, I was hearing a lecture yesterday and if we were put in a situation where we had to break a vow to do the right thing, Krishna would much rather have us do that if it meant that it would produce something good as opposed to producing something evil. 
But so many times we get so wrapped up in, in, in our vow of something that we won't break it. And even if, even if it means that there is some kind of evil reaction. So anyways, I think about that and I think about just how, how amazing Krishna is. And I think about Bhishma, for example. You know, if you think about Bhishma and how he had this vow that he, he would not break. And as that situation where, I mean, it's a little prideful on Bhishma's end. Um, but anyway, I feel like I'm digressing a bit. But the point is that we should be full of compassion for even those devotees who might fall down. Because you know what? Krishna is full of compassion. And when we read the scriptures, we get a glimpse into that, into what that compassion looks like in that love, that unconditional love. Even for someone who might fall down, that Krishna would see that person with equal vision and, and, and know that if that person is wholehearted, wholeheartedly on the path of Krishna consciousness, then that person's to, to be continued to be seen as a saintly person and that we should follow suit. So, and I want to do the same. That's my application. Yeah. Declare it boldly, O Arjuna, my devotee never perishes. Yeah. Um, one thing Prabhupada would say, because the spiritual guru literally means heavy. So Prabhupada um, has to chastise and correct his disciples. And he would say, I've been given this thankless task uh, to do this service. But he actually, other times he would say, uh, he would express actually his humility that he just considered himself, you know, a servant of his disciples. Um, so the point being, just expanding on what Gobinda Mata was saying, is that um, we also have to be careful not to criticize the, the criticizers, uh, so to speak, because sometimes there's a role where that's part of service, where, where it's not done out of um, a place in one's heart of fault-finding, but it's done like a, a loving parent. So like, um, it depends on the position one is in. Like somebody, sometimes someone's in a position to help somebody grow through correction. And that's actually loving, so that's not um, fault-finding. Mm -hmm. So we have to be careful too, because our seniors, like for instance, like Guru, like Mother Sandamani, like they're actually, they could be criticized for Fault finding, but if you get to know them, their nature is that they, they they have full compassion in their hearts. They want us to grow. They they're simply serving their guru, and they're raising more or less children in Krishna consciousness. So that's a different situation. Um, and then in regards to following the rules for the sake of following them. Uh, Sri Rupa Goswami says it's a balance. He says you have to follow the rules, um, but you also have to follow them for the particular purpose of why the rules are followed. So in other words, you have to have intelligence. Why am I, why am I following this rule? If I'm just following for the sake of following, then it's, it's, super, it's superficial. But if I know the, the benefit of following, and, 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 and if you know that, so that, that takes training. Um, that takes training in Krishna consciousness to know. Like, for instance, we were talking about Lord Shiva the other day. Mm -hmm. Lord Shiva, he's known to hang out with the... Uh, the, the <laughs> Yakshas, Rakshas, yeah, the, the ghostly creatures. Mm -hmm. And he, he smokes ganja, and he drank the ocean of poison. His matted hair. Yeah, exactly. Unclean, like... Mm -hmm you know, ashes, and so one could ask, well, Lord Shiva is Mahadev, he's the greatest devotee, can I, you know, smoke ganja too? <laughs> like, Lord Shiva smoking ganja. So then the conversation comes, what's the difference between emulating and imitating? So the, the position of a, a sadhaka or a, a practitioner of bhakti yoga is one of um, emulating the great souls who set the example for Krishna consciousness and teach us how to behave, and not imitating um, someone like exalted like Lord Shiva, for instance, who can never be touched by the material energy. Who is a, um, a, a yeah, he's a he's a guna avatar. He's um, an eternal 
expansion of Lord Vishnu that deals with the material energy. So you can kind of see that's that's kind of a um, <laughs> that's kind of a, a, a an extreme example just to just to make the point. Um, I just want to add to it. Um, yeah. It's interesting because like Lord Shiva holds this very specific position that we were talking about. No one else has that that particular position. So, and there's a there's a specific reason why Lord Shiva holds that position. It's you know, it's Krishna's mercy and compassion for the lowest of the lows. It's what we see when Jesus is hanging out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. It's almost a form of that, where here is Lord Shiva, who's like in the, like, you know, that guy who's willing to be where the, the scum of society is at, and he's willing to give these people unconditional love in hopes that he may reach some. And this is exactly what Lord Shiva is doing. And everything follows suit from his image and everything that he's doing. It's for a particular purpose in a particular time and a particular place. And um, well, actually for all eternity, really. So, but um, yeah, it's, again, like you said, it's not to be imitated. It's to understand the compassion that Shiva has for these fallen souls, the compassion that Krishna has for these souls, that he's willing to go to the deepest depths, the darkest depths to reach these people. So in other words, Krishna telling us that my love for you is never exhausted. Like no matter what you do, no matter where you've been. And that's, Krishna's, I feel like Shiva's that personification. It's just incredible. Yeah. So, um, give one more quick example, then we'll move on. But Prabhupada, of course, one of the foundations of Dharma principles is no eating, meat eating, because yeah. that's the basis of that is mercy. Without mercy, without a heart filled with compassion, we can't begin to develop love for God. That's just a fundamental spiritual religious principle that has to be followed. Um, yet, Prabhupada sometimes would tell his preachers when they would go to foreign countries, say, if you have nothing else to eat, or if you, if you have to eat meat for the sake of preaching, then eat meat. But the purpose of eating that meat was for the sake of, of preaching um, when there wasn't any alternative. Um, on the other hand, someone who, who is maybe uh, like a neophyte in Krishna consciousness, they could say, oh, well, you know, this isn't a very strict principle. Like Prabhupada would say sometimes, my disciples can eat meat. So then for the sake of, of sense gratification, for the sake of attachment to meat eating, then they eat meat and they fall down. You see what I'm saying? So this is the distinction. It's, that's why I was saying it takes discrimination and training and understanding how these principles apply and what is the reason. Um, like that um, Brahman who took a vow of never telling a lie, and then uh, the criminals are hiding out in his place. Uh, here come the these like evil guys, characters, yeah. these criminals. They're looking to kill this guy, and he asks the Brahman. He says, "Have you seen? Have you seen these two guys?" And he says, "Yeah, they're right there." Because he took a vow to to not lie. So what was the higher principle? Was the higher principle to tell a lie or to protect these people? Like obviously, the higher principle would be, I'm going to protect mm -hmm. these people from these criminals, from these evil people. And that's relational. Yeah. And that was just the, the example of Bhishma Dev. Yeah. Actually, Krishna took a vow to not fight in the battle of Kurukshetra. But because of his love for his devotee, for Arjuna, Arjuna was in trouble. <laughs> And Krishna couldn't handle seeing it, so Krishna, yeah, Krishna broke his promise, which in, in the social custom, especially for a chatriya, is super, uh, will give a super bad reputation. But Krishna is willing to go outside the social boundaries for the sake of his loving exchange uh, with his devotees. So, anyway, that kind of was like a little that was good. side. But I think it, I think it tied in though. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so Robert, what did you want to do? Did you did you you did kind of a different section? Did you want someone to share something? Or? Oh, you mean from nine? Yeah. No, so, I mean this this part I marked it was the first uh, part of. Uh, let's see, what's 
Does this mean I can talk? Oh, okay, the talking stick. Okay. <laughs> talking phone. Yeah. Oh, is it recording? It's recording. Oh, okay, that's yeah, what yeah. I figured. Okay. Sorry. I'm wasting your uh, data there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, uh, well, no, I was in 10, 10 9, so. Go ahead. That's yeah, what we're ahead, reading tonight, right? We're, we're doing um, 21 to 34. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm on text nine. That's okay. We can do a little review. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I kind of like this one that said, uh, the thoughts of my pure devotees dwell in me. Their lives are fully devoted to my service, and they derive great satisfaction and bliss from always uh, enlightening one another and conversing about me. So... Um, and then in the purport, it says, uh, pure devotees whose characteristics are mentioned here engage themselves fully in the transcendental love, loving service of the Lord. Their minds cannot be diverted from the lotus of lotus feet of Krishna. Their talks are solely on the transcendental subjects. Uh, the symptoms of the pure devotee are described in this ver verse specifically. Uh, devotees of the Supreme Lord are 24 hours daily engaged in the glorifying the qualities and the pastimes of the Supreme Lord. Their hearts and souls are constantly submerged in Krishna, and they take pleasure in discussing him with other devotees. So, I mean, for me, that just was kind of, you guys kind of touched on some of that, you know, today is just where your thoughts, uh, where your mind should be, um, how you shouldn't crave uh, things from the material world. Um, you know, just basically everything you do, everything you say, even if it's in your work, you can still be like kind of uh, meditating and using your, your daily practices, your daily routines you go through, um, whether it's kind of like what you said, if you're at, you're, you're at work and you see yourself kind of getting distracted, getting angry, getting too involved or whatever, you have that little picture over there and you go, ah, yes, Krishna, and it brings you back, you know? So I don't know. I just kind of like that, that, uh, that part, cause it kind of, Describes how you uh, can uh, things beeping that means something. It's like vibrating. Okay. So um, how how you can kind of uh, facilitate uh, structuring your life to kind of uh, get out of uh, the material world. So if you're always focused on Krishna, you don't have time to focus on pretty much anything else. You know, and uh, getting together and, and sharing kind of like what we're doing tonight also uh, helps with that. You know, and learning and 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 immersing yourself deeply in in that love of Krishna. So wonderful. Thank you so much. So actually, in the, in the questions and answers, we're going to get into that a little bit too about using everything for Krishna. Yeah. Um, so that was very very good understanding. Um, that we have to go about you know our daily duties, and if we purify them, if we Krishnaize them. And that's going to be the perfection of our life. Um, and there's something called impressions, impressions on our mind and our subtle body. So, like you were saying, when we when we bring Krishna in more through regular chanting, like daily sadhana, chanting on our japa mala, and and regularly associating with devotees and, and hearing the kirtan and doing these different things, what happens is is that all the other stuff in our consciousness that's Think of it like a deep cleaner. You know, if you have a very, very dirty, say, like, stove or something, you have this, like, powerful cleaner. That it, 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 like, stuff, impressions that we have taken into our consciousness for thousands, millions of lifetimes, it very quickly actually washes those things away and is just replaced with uh, Krishna consciousness. And it becomes a self cleaning oven. Yeah, it becomes a, <laughs> then actually, no, actually, then, then it becomes part of the cleaning solution. Yeah. The oven becomes a cleaner, too. <laughs> I, I noticed that because I stopped, I used to be, like, real into politics and stuff, like, like, 24-7. I mean, I would wake up and check myself. I'd be like, oh, I can find out what's going on. Yeah. In my car, I'd be listening to, like, podcasts and stuff like that. So, being on social media and all that, and I just, like, decided, you know what, this stuff's garbage, you know, it's not doing me, I was becoming, like, an angry person, I was too fixated on it, you know, and I was starting to get tribal, like, oh, those people, those, those, those are on the other side, you know, <laughs> so I took that stuff and I just got rid of it, it's, like, the only thing I listened to, like, when I was playing on my cell phone, like anywhere I go in my car, at home, first thing I wake up, instead of, I, I, I grab my cell phone and I put on a kirtan. 
like on YouTube, and that's all day long. Yeah. When I get my car, I plug it into the car, gear it That's all I listen You'll to. You'll find yourself starting. You know, I'm so much better. Bro. You'll find yourself <laughs> waking up, like, dreaming to gear yeah. sometimes. Because yeah. you, you, you can actually see your consciousness through your dreams, actually. Yeah. My kids used to hate it, but now they, they're starting to kind of... Start doing <laughs> That's, That's great. Yeah. They're making advancement. Yeah. They used to complain, but they don't anymore. So. That's wonderful, yeah. It's purifying one's existence. And it's, it's, it's a happy environment to be in. Yeah. We're in that spiritual vibration. This changes, changes everything, actually. Um, this is Marari Mohini. Um, chapter 9, text 29. I envy no one, nor am I partial to anyone. I am equal to all, but whoever renders service unto me in devotion is a friend, is in me, and I am also a friend to him. Understanding? The Lord is like a cloud who pours water, irrespective of what it falls on. The Lord is a friend of the living entities, and he has no favorites. Having said that, he is the friend of his devotee, and his devotee is in him. Application. I find this verse very touching. To know that I am in Krishna really warms my heart. Krishna's promise that he is a friend is wonderful, and I am very touched to be able to be a friend to Krishna. Being a devotee is a reciprocal relationship, and I feel really blessed to be a part of such an intimate relationship. Very wonderful. Thank you so much. That's what we all want. We all want that friend, that intimate connection. And... um, when you get a little taste of that due to the mercy of the Lord, then like they say, once you go Krishna, you never go back. Once you go black, you never go back. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the blackish blackish boy. <laughs> but not black of this world. It's no, like uh it's, it's otherworldly, actually. Yeah. yeah. But it's darkish. Shum. Okay, so this is the discovery, uh, my discovery. So one who always engages, this is from 934, this is actually from the very end. One who always engages in Krishna consciousness should be understood to be a perfectly saintly person. His accidental non-devotional activities will diminish, and he will soon be situated without any doubt in complete perfection. The pure devotee has no actual chance to fall down, because the intelligent person because the Supreme Personality takes care of his pure devotees. Therefore, the intelligent person should take directly to the process of Krishna consciousness and happily live in this material world. He will eventually receive the Supreme Award of Krishna. Mm-hmm. So in Krishna consciousness, we're not saying to not live happily. He said right there, live happily in this world and then attain Krishna. Right. Right? It's like, like Govindamana was reading. Who wouldn't take this up? I didn't. I didn't say that. <laughs> the Prabhupada said that. Prabhupada said that. Yeah. And then he gives you the ways and the and the means to live happy in this world. I don't yeah. Know. He says you can be happy in this world, and here's how you do it. Exactly. And it's like he said, very simple. Exactly. Very yeah. Usually, the best things in life always are simple. If you think about it. Okay. This is the understanding. Srila Prabhupada continues his commentary in this last verse of the ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita in reference to verses 30 and 31, which say, Even if one commits the most abominable action, if he is engaged in devotional service, he is to be considered saintly because he is properly situated in his determination. He quickly becomes righteous and attains lasting peace. O son of Kunti, declare it boldly that my devotee never perishes. Burijan Prabhu, in his commentary of Srila Prabhupada's commentary on these verses, references Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary on the same verses. That's another great saying in our line, and uh, a great Acharya, uh, spiritual teacher. In a portion of that commentary, he states, But, one might ask, why do you accept the worship of such an irreligious person? Why do you consume the food and drink offered by one whose heart is contaminated by lust, anger, and other faults? In response, the Lord says, he quickly becomes righteous. This is not expressed as he is going to quickly become, or he will soon achieve peace. Rather, the present tense is used. He becomes and he attains. The Lord continues, 
This means that immediately after he commits impiety, he remembers me, and he feels remorse. He thus quickly becomes religious. He thinks, alas, alas, there is no person more fallen than me. I defile the reputation of the community of devotees. Damn me! Again and again, feeling remorse like this, he achieves complete peace and detachment. In other words, as opposed to the grossly foolish, lowest among mankind, those whose knowledge has been stolen by illusion, and those who partake in the atheistic nature of the demons, these are those who never surrender to Krishna, Krishna is stating that although a devotee may be recovering from bad habits, due to his or her unwavering commitment to serve the Lord in love, I'm sorry, let me read that again. Krishna is stating that although a devotee may be recovering from bad habits, due to his or her unwavering commitment to serve the Lord in love, and love he or she is certain to be successful. So it's all in the attitude and internal state of surrender. A devotee doesn't justify his or her misdeeds or try to cheat the system, but laments the misdeeds and tries hard to improve. This is the nature of a devotee of the Lord. Such a devotee will never perish. And this is the um, application. I have much purification of heart to go through, but this relieves me of fear that I will be at any time unprotected. As long as I remain, try to be a humble servant of Guru, Krishna, and the Vaishnavas, then the Lord will carry what I lack. If I'm always in the mood of improvement, lamenting when I mess up, Krishna will bless me with more strength and determination to overcome these anartas and attain a life, a life full of devotional love, devoid of hiccups. Um, because those those who never take to Krishna consciousness, there's something deeper within that's rooted in, like the beginning of the class we were talking about, that envy, uh, the grossly foolish, lowest of man among mankind, those whose knowledge is stolen by illusion, those who partake in the atheistic nature of the demons. It's a different state of consciousness than a sincere devotee who made Krishna the supreme goal we were talking about, and who, because of weakness of heart, sometimes is seen to commit abominable activities, but in his heart laments, damn me, and, and perseveres. This is the devotee Krishna is talking about. My devotee, this devotee never perishes. He'll soon attain righteousness and lasting peace. Okay, so let's briefly go through the questions. Those who go to the material heavenly planets enjoy vast sense pleasures, but then return to this earthly planet. Why is this? Yeah. I said, and um, correct me on my cosmology, but I said the material heavenly planets are close to the shore of the Brahma Jyoti, like ocean of, like the causal ocean. Is that similar to the same? But we'll never be across the ocean or deliver to the lotus feet of the Lord and become supreme. Right, it stays within the, right. the realm of the mundane energy. Anybody else have anything they want to add? No? I think that ultimately if, you're, if your desire and your goal is to enjoy through the senses, then Krishna is fulfilling that desire. And until we have exhausted those desires, you know, then we can't, we can't move beyond this... Uh, this realm where it's there for us to, to facilitate our desire to enjoy through the senses. Yeah. That's what I would say. Because the desires push that right. karma, and that karma creates the yeah. bank account. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Krishna's always giving us what we want. <laughs> always. So if it's more like, like he said, you have the three other Vedas. You want to study those Vedas and you want to attain these, these uh, heavenly planets. You can enjoy, you have the facility to enjoy hundreds and thousands of times more than you do at the present moment. So he's always giving us what we desire, but he's always rooting us on and always hoping that we would take to this process and eventually end this cycle, you know, so. He's hoping. Hoping, yeah, he's hoping. Yeah. Cheering us on. That's a good point because 
Yes, like Prabhupada says, when they have enjoyed vast heavenly sense pleasure and the results of their pious activities are exhausted, they return to this mortal planet again. But um, in another sense, like you were saying, the, the desires created the, the karma, the karmic bank account. Um, but basically, that's how it works, is that if you, if you live a very pious life, you can be elevated to the heavenly planets. We follow uh, the karmakanda section of the Vedas. You worship the Padevas. You do different yagyas, tapas, penance. Um, you can go to the heavenly planets. But when that runs out, because what's happening is that we're doing uh, punya and papa at the same time. Because we're always going to be doing sinful activities side by side, the pious activities. That's just the nature of being embodied. And when those pious activities' credits run out, then we have to cash in on the impious activities, which is coming back to the lower planets, the middle planets. And, yeah. So this is mainly for the demigods, right? Not, I mean, who pray for the demigods, or is it for the devotees? This refers to devotees or just who are praying for the demigods? This, is, this particular verse is just saying anybody who happens to, like any embodied soul, Mm-hmm. Who happens to go to the heavenly planets? Uh, he's speaking of their um, their karmic reactions so to pious deeds. Uh, it's possible that they can go to the heavenly planets. Um, as far as I understand, it is possible. Like, um, I think I don't know. I think Sri the Prabhupada said like like those who worship Jesus Christ, they can go and be with Jesus. So Jesus may be on some planet, and then they'll, they'll make more advancement. Um, but generally speaking, the devotees, they're not, they're not, because their goal isn't to go to the heavenly planets, then they won't attain that. It's like later on, Krishna is saying, yanti deva vata devam, patri yanti patri vataha, bhutani yanti bhuteja, yanti mamyajinokama. Those who worship the demigods attain the planets of the demigods. Those who worship the ancestors attain the mm-hmm. planet of the ancestors. Those who attain the ghosts, those who worship the ghosts and spirits, go to those lower beings. And those who worship me will come to me. But anything is possible, and, and Krishna also says the intricacies of karma are very difficult to understand. So where exactly a living entity goes, we can't say. I mean, oftentimes devotees may go to the planet of Lord Brahma, and then from there go back to the spiritual world. So it's it's kind of hard to say exactly, but we know where we're going because we are on the Prabhupada bus. Like, there's a specific destination for devotees in the line of uh, Rupa Goswami and Lord Jaitanya. Uh, so it, they tell us where we're going, so we don't have to worry. Of course, if we desire to go to the heavenly planets, then we may go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, devotees may, are cult- sometimes cultivating Christian consciousness. And they're also cultivating material desires side by side. So if they choose to cultivate the material desires, Krishna will bless them. Like you right now, you don't want me, that's okay. You can enjoy in heaven for a while. But that's dangerous. Prabhupada says that's a very dangerous gamble because who knows how we can be entangled in the heavenly planets. I mean, we're entangled here, but it's said in the heavenly planets, the sense of enjoyment, I think it was described as purple. It's thousands of times greater. So, can I, can I add something to that? Yeah. So in the in the Prabhupada says there are many men who, as, as he was describing all these different destinations for different desires. So, but then he says here, he says similarly, a pure devotee, and he uses the word pure. Obviously, that implicates that there is different kinds of devotees. There's different levels of devotees. So he says similarly. A pure devotee who worships the Supreme Personality of Godhead only achieves the planet of Vaikuntha and Krishna Loka without a doubt. That's what he says in, in, in the purport here. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So, that's all. Thank you. So basically, if our mind is not purified, we might end up going to the heavenly planet. Potentially, it's, it's a possibility. Yeah. But again, I mean, Krishna is facilitating, you know. Like, if we make the ultimate goal Krishna, then, you know, Krishna will help us. Like he says right in this section, he'll carry what we lack. Um, but the, the point is to be careful. <laughs> Just be, be cautious. Are we, are we keeping that goal of Krishna? Or is it wavering? Yeah.
Okay, so where does Lord Krishna tell us that we, where does Lord Krishna tell us what we should offer him? What are some of the points made in relation to this? I believe that was Krishna Nam you stated this verse. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that a little? Um, yeah. yeah, this is in twenty six. Um, if one offers me with love and devotion a leaf, a flower, a fruit, or water, I will accept it. So basically, he does talk about uh, in the purport. Srila Prabhupada talks about all that in there. Uh, for the intelligent person, it is essential to be in Krishna consciousness, engaged in transcendental loving service to the Lord, in order to achieve a permanent blissful abode of eternal happiness. The process of achieving such a marvelous result is very easy and can be attempted even by the poorest of the poor without any kind of qualification. The only qualification required in this connection is to be a pure devotee of the Lord. It does not matter what one is or where one is situated. The process is so easy and even a leaf or a little water or fruit can be offered to the Supreme Lord in genuine love and the Lord would be pleased to accept it. No one, therefore, can be barred from Krishna consciousness because it is so easy and universal. And then you talked about that line about who is such a fool, you know, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> within that. Um, uh, but Krishna accepts a little flower from the pure devotee. He does not want any kind of offering from a non-devotee. He is not in need of anything from anyone because he is self-sufficient. And yet he accepts the offering of his devotee in exchange of love and affection. To develop Krishna consciousness, the highest perfection of life, Bhakti is mentioned twice in this verse, in order to declare more empathically the, that Bhakti or devotional service is the only means to approach Krishna. So basically, you know, it's just, it's pretty much laying it out all here. This is a pretty long purport, actually, you know, uh, one of the longer ones, I think. Um, but, um, yeah, it starts to break down all that in here, uh, pretty much. But he's expressing also the exalted role of a devotee, the exalted status of a devotee. That you know, it doesn't matter if somebody's king of heaven, you know, or you know, Lord Brahma. I mean, Lord Brahma is a great devotee. But the point is, it doesn't matter what one's position is. If someone's a devotee, they're the most exalted person because they've made Krishna the supreme goal of their life, and and that. That alone makes one more um, great in the sense that they're now, the trajectory is now to regain their original identity without being in this position or that position and so many false identities. <laughs> um, okay, the last one. In the purport to verse 28, Srila Prabhupada talks about Yukta Vairagya. Explain this concept and give some practical examples to illustrate how it works. So Robert already gave some really nice examples of this. Yes. Does anybody want to make any make any statements about this? Um. Oh, there's one line in the purple that was really sweet. Um. Right here, um, I had it, my apologies, but it's, uh, it's Rupa Goswami is talking about this, and then he talks about it, you know. Right here. Yeah, um, so we know what Yukta Vairagya is, essentially dovetailing everything in the service of Krishna consciousness, um, you know, taking up your prescribed duty and, and Offering that to Krishna and loving devotional service. But there was a line, I can't remember where I read it, that I thought was really cool. Um, okay, it might be this. Or not. Um, yeah, I can't find it, but essentially, yeah, I mean, anyone who, you know, offers his prescribed duties to Krishna. There's no, there's no karma. There's, there's no good karma. There's no bad karma. It's being accrued. Essentially, everything that you're doing, like you said, is, is Krishna ties. So there's zero karma going into the bank accounts. <laughs> so that's good because it keeps us completely detached from, from, 
from having to come back to this world. And I always like to give the example of two people doing the same exact thing at their workplace, you know, and you can, you might look at it externally as the same, but one person's literally offering everything to Krishna, completely detached from the results of, 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 of their activities, you know, of, of the fruits and doing it in loving service to Krishna. And that is completely transcendental. Whereas the other person might be doing the same exact thing, but he is implicating himself in this, in this uh, cycle of samsara. So. Yeah, one of the, one of the, uh, the middle of that report, uh, I really like that part where it says, um, and it pretty much explains that um, whole, the whole idea of what's presented here in the question. Anyone who has no interest but to but to dedicate his life to the service of the Lord is actually a sannyasi. Mm -hmm. uh, such a person always thinks of himself as an eternal servant, dependent on the supreme will of the Lord. As such, whatever he does, he does he does it for the benefit of the Lord. Whatever action he performs, he performs it as a service to the Lord. He does not give serious attention to the fruit of activities or prescribed duties mentioned in the Vedas. For ordinary persons, it is obligatory to execute the prescribed duties mentioned in the Vedas. But although a pure devotee who is completely engaged in the service of the Lord may sometimes appear to go against that prescribed Vedic duties, actually it is not so. I always thought that was really yeah, yeah. yeah and it's kind of speaking also to that um, criticizing devotees. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, a true devotee, of course, very rare, but do the mercy of Prabhupada. Jaitanya, now there's so many devotees. <laughs> but a true devotee, their heart is fixed on serving Guru and Krishna for their pleasure. That's that's what's in the core of their heart. And so sometimes we see things, they look like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Or or I think in my, my mind that that's not right. <laughs> but we don't know. And there's so many examples in the Sastras of misperceptions of a devotee's connection with God or their intentions. Um, like, uh, for instance, um, who was Gadadhar Pandit's guru? Pundari Vidyanidhi. And he was... Was he that opulent king? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, because um, I believe it was... Anyway, somebody was... One of the... One of the devotees was telling Gadadhar Pandit that there's this great devotee you have to come see. And he was like, really? You know, I have to meet this devotee. And he's like, he's this ecstatic devotee. And he goes into the, the, the house of Pandit, and there's a very like opulent space. And he's sitting there and he looks like, you know, he looks like some wealthy materialist. <laughs> and he's a... Uh, you know, he, he's just laid back and comfort. And um, so immediately in Gadadhar Pandit's mind, he's thinking, who is this person? What, what is this? And so I can't remember who's with him, but he said, hey, ask him to, uh, or, or quote this verse. And so he quotes one verse about how Krishna was so compassionate that even though Putana came to kill her, kill him, and he gave liberation to Putana as his mother in the spiritual world because she came to him as a mother, although she was trying to kill him. And so Punarik Vidyanidhi, he was ecstatic. And he was just rolling on the ground, knocking things over. And like he, he was beside himself in ecstasy. <laughs> he was just like insane in love of God. But from the external, since so I immediately got out of her, it was like, oh, I committed a defense in my mind. And so immediately, uh, got out of her pundit, took Pundarigini as, as his guru. He accepted shelter. Under her. So, yeah, we can't imitate. And we should always be, the idea is to be strict with ourselves in the practices, but to be uh, liberal towards others, because we don't know. Unless it's our direct duty, if someone's our disciple or we have a responsible for a particular devotee or whatnot. Then that's, that's a different situation. It was done out of love, like a parent. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to keep it so long. It's getting late. So. <laughs> One quick thing to add. Yeah. Um, if you become a person who walks around always judging and looking for something, 
you therefore open yourself up to that in return as well uh, to yeah, what drama. you're doing and yeah. your specific uh, <laughs> yeah. you probably heard that one finger pointing towards you and there's three pointing back to me yeah. right. yeah. actually kind of four yeah. fourth one here <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, I mean that's, and that's another quality of a devotee is they're always seeing the best in somebody mm-hmm. and trying to, that, that's the difference between a devotee and a materialist a materialist is looking for the faults and devotee is looking for the spiritual essence, mm. which is pure, right? I just thought about that the other day because that's certainly increasing as we go further into Kali Yuga, you know, and you see that in our society. I mean, especially on this day and time, you see people constantly, you know, criticizing each other and, and looking at the worst in people, you know. Well, the media reports it. The media reports the worst in people, you know, most of the time. I mean, over, if you look at the percentages, you know, of that. So they're always looking at, at that sort of thing. So, you know, that's the mentality of a materialist, you know, where I, I'm always looking and says, well, well, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> you know, so, so it's, uh, yeah, that's just a different type of perspective that we have. Yeah. yeah. So. It's like Krishna Nam, like you're wearing Hare Krishna on your shirt. Okay. That's, that's evidently the wonderful quality about your shirt. It says Hare Krishna. Yeah. But the way that the mind works, Monday mind is like, you know, I don't like that font. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that it's the easily color. readable. Color, like the color isn't good, and the the H yeah. is is it's a lowercase H. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> it is. So it is. And that is a proper name. It should be capitalized. Yeah. <laughs> so you see how the mind the mind jumps to like besides the fact that you're wearing Hare Krishna on your shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know. But people can do that because it's a My mind always thinking like somebody wears like different colors. Oh, I guess uh, we know now yellow is the best. So I think we should have wear yellow. <laughs> 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 it's like... Yeah. yeah. It's like not taking for it. So, so what are you saying, Kabu, that you don't wear your shirt? No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's great. I, just, I, just I mean... I'll say externally is great, but in my mind, like, I'll tell I'll tell Govinda Madhav later. I'll tell you it's great though. <laughs> All right. So who's coming on Hari Nam tonight? Are you coming? I already committed. Are you going? I think we might go. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we could, we might. I know, we're definitely going tomorrow. You're coming tomorrow? Oh, definitely coming tomorrow. Coming tomorrow, okay, 10.30 tomorrow. 10.30 at 10.30. Here, we're meeting here at 10.30. Yeah. We have the 4th Avenue Street Fair tomorrow. So we're going to do another tomorrow. Congratulations. Yeah, sorry. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Was that 43 Gita? Yeah, Krishna's very 